This is how I win. I'm your cheerleader, honey boy. That was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. And the Oscar goes to... Parasite. This is how I win. Welcome to another edition of the Music City Drive-In, brought to you by Geek Vibe Nation. I am your host, Ricky Valero. Jacob and I had the pleasure of having Brandon Vick from the Sobro Network on the show today, folks. We talked about the best movies of 2020 up to date, and we talked about some of the best performances, and then we even dove into the worst movies of the year. So here we go. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Brandon Vick. All right, folks, I'm very excited today. We have from Sobro Network, uh, we've got Brandon Vick. Brandon, how are you today, sir? Oh, not too bad. Enjoying my quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> right. I wish I was enjoying my quarantine a little bit more, but we're. I'm excited to have you on, man. We've talked outside of movies plenty of times. We talked about having you on the show before. Um, you guys are a great follow. You and Stoney both are hilarious on Twitter. I love you guys' banter. I love making fun of you and all your bad movie takes. And then you, you know, give it back to me quite <laughs> often. So there's that as well. So I'm excited to have you on the show. And guys, today on the show, we're going to talk about some of our favorite films of 2019 since the year is already over. Uh, our 2020. Sorry, God. I'm whatever. 2020. We're going to talk about our favorite. Say, that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> right. You got to I got to pull up the wrong the other tab here. What's going on? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so we're going to talk about our favorite films of 2020 since the year is over already. I mean, there's no movies coming out for the remainder of the year. So we're going to talk about some of those, and we're going to go back and forth and talk about our favorite performances, favorite movies, some of the other movies that we liked. And Brandon, go ahead and kick us off with what your favorite film of the year has been up to date. Uh, well, I, you're going to really like this one. Uh, I really enjoyed The Invisible Man. <laughs> um, it is one that... It's scary, but it's not scary in the same sense as maybe, you know, like a Blair Witch Project or Scream or anything like that, because there's a lot of social undertones, and they are able to bring that out into one of the, I mean, it's one of the classic monster stories, and um, it is, I was really impressed by it. It's thrilling in the way that some things you you'll stare at something and you're white and you're just waiting for something to happen and it doesn't. But then of course a couple minutes later. So I mean you've got the jump, you've got the jump scares, but it's also very thought provoking and clever and how it's overall executed. And for just a quote unquote horror movie, it's it's very much uh, more than that. So and that's what um, it really sticks with you. Jacob, what's your favorite film of the year so far? So mine, mine was not um, Invisible Man. Invisible Man was mine too. So I want to talk about it just for a second because I know it's going to piss Ricky off. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I agree. Um, just kind of those moments where they capture nothing but just an emptiness. And it's, you know, someone's there. And Elizabeth Moss's character, she knows someone that is there, but no one else knows someone's there. And it kind of, like you said, it kind of gets into those social undertones of abuse and kind of the fact of like, you know, that's like the scariest thing for an abuse victim is no one being there because they know that in, at any moment they could always be around. Um, but for me, my number one, I went back and forth a little bit um, with this and Invisible Man, but it's actually Onward. Uh, nothing has made me feel the way Onward made me feel. And I know this is pissing Ricky off again, and I love it so much. But Onward, I'm telling you, I mean, 
you know, it was, it's such a risk that Pixar took. Um, and they did a lot of things that, you know, they don't normally do in a Pixar kid type movie. Uh, I feel like, you know, they put a lot of effort into soul, which hopefully will come out later this year um, at some point. So I think this could have easily just been a throwaway, you know, good dinosaur cars two type movie. But to me, they, it, they actually put a lot of thought into it and they put a lot of effort into trying to make this the best story that they possibly could. And I loved, you know, the chemistry between Chris Pratt and uh, Tom Holland was incredible. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus was great. Octavia Spencer was great. Um, just the story. I mean, I haven't, I cried so many times um, at so many little moments you know, the tapping of, on the foot and stuff like that. It just, it brought me to tears. I loved it so much. Well, <laughs> now that we've talked about two just completely average movies, <laughs> um, oh. let me swoop in here and talk about my favorite film of the year. And I talked about this on the podcast a little bit yesterday, and that's Big Time Adolescence. This and ba The Way Back are two of my favorite films of the year. And two of my least favorite films of the year were both Brandon and jacob's picks so it, it's kind of funny I, and to be honest with you i'll piggyback on onward i thought onward was one of the worst comic like worst cartoon movies i've think i've ever seen it was just abysmal like the story was so just not good at all i ended up giving that movie like a one and a half stars and i think i gave that and an invisible man the same exact ranking so but back to my pick here big time adolescence it was hilarious pete davison is absolutely a star in this film i, I just I cannot believe how good this film was. I had no expectations for the film. And when you watch the trailer, you watch it and you don't expect to be so emotionally invested into the film in which you actually end up being. Jason Orley, who had never written a full screenplay before, wrote a beautifully coming-of-the-age film and then also directed as well. His only other direction of note is actually Pete Davidson's stand-up special. So it's kind of crazy to think that a first-time director, first-time writer... I think the Spirit Awards are going to be all over this film. Griffin Gluck is fantastic. Davison and Gluck's chemistry as Moe and Zeke in this film really carries it from the moment the film starts. There's several scenes. It's it's hilarious. It's heartwarming. It's beautiful. The cinematography in the film is just gorgeous. The score is perfect. Everybody in the film plays their part to a perfect tee. I, I landed at four and a half stars. I want to rewatch it because I genuinely feel like I might land at a five star on this. But this and The Way Back are the only two films this year that have even peaked the four and a half star ranking for me. I truly love this film a whole lot. And Brandon, I know you've saw it. What, what did you think of Big Time Adolescence? I enjoyed it. I was I was I was more impressed because I did not see Pete Davidson um, pulling off a performance like that, to be honest, which he's Agreed. never really had a chance to shine um, in movies anyway. But uh, but yeah, I agree with the chemistry and it actually is funny, but it's also I mean, very much at times it is sad because there's people like Pete Davidson that I'm sure all of us know. And yeah, it is. It is very, um, it is like a tragedy. I mean, there's, it's a comedy uh, with definitely some tragedy components in there. But I, I wouldn't say uh, favorite, but it was, um, it was quite a surprise. Yeah, it was, and I think the the thing that really surprised me the most was how relatable it was. I think it, it tells a story without really having to tell a story. You know what I mean? Like 
you're right. And that's the, the kind of perfect pinpoint for me there is by saying it's very much relatable to the fact that it's a guy in his like early 20s or maybe late, late teens, 18, 19, 20 area that is still hanging on to being a teenager and still wanting to be cool and still wanting to be, you know, grasp that, you know, cool kid vibe that he got in high school. And, and it kind of just, it's kind of beautiful the way it plays out in my opinion. And I just really love the way the story wrote. And it it's, there is several really heartbreaking scenes in that film that just kind of make you go, I don't want to go too in depth because I know Jacob hasn't seen it yet. So, but yeah, I loved it a whole lot. Between that and the way back, my two favorite films of the year are just, absolutely depressing films that make you want to cry a lot so you know you got i mean onward you know could have made me cry but it would really bored me to death so um brandon what is your is your favorite performance of the year going to be elizabeth moss as well as i was going to ask you what your favorite performance of the year was um yes (laughs) Uh, in short yes um her and ben affleck for the way back i i did really enjoy that movie uh the the only thing for the way back was me is that if if you didn't have a performance like Ben Affleck, that story I've seen a thousand times. So for me, Ben Affleck and the real struggle and really basketball is only just a component to show, um, you know, a man's redemption. But Ben Affleck for actor, Elizabeth Moss for actress. I will say there is another film, and I know we talked about it before we came on the air, but it's called St. Francis. It um, Kelly O'Sullivan, I would put her up there really close to Elizabeth Moss. She actually stars in it and wrote it. Um, it is essentially it's about this girl that's kind of lost her way and she ends up nannying for this for this um, lesbian couple and her and the girl connect. But the one of the best and I think it was very brave is knowing that she wrote this they bring up stuff of what women go through on a daily basis that I really can't recall any movie ever talking about. It doesn't, you know, it's, I, it's not a problem solver, but it's definitely one that is bringing attention to things that I think a lot of, I'm sure, especially women probably think about, but aren't able to communicate, um, to communicate about it, but it was, it's funny and it's, it's, it's endearing and it's heartbreaking. And that's another one that was a big, pleasant surprise uh, for me. So Elizabeth Moss and Kelly O'Sullivan would be actress and Ben Affleck for actor. Jacob. Yeah. Um, I actually, I am going to see big time adolescence soon. Um, I appreciate you not trying to spoil too much of it. I am really excited to see kind of Pete Davidson break out of that um, kind of role that he's been in. Um, but to move on for me, I'm going to make Ricky happy with this one, but my top performance of the year is Ben Affleck, but for the same reason that Brandon said, I feel like without his performance, that movie is, you know, a two and a half star seen it a million times type movie, but that back half of the movie, the last 30 to 45 minutes had me completely floored. You know, from the second, it kind of had that first little ending moment. You guys know what I'm talking about when it, like, felt like the movie had come to an end and then it picked right back up with mainly all of Ben Affleck and you actually finally got to see his, you know, downward spiral, his redemption, everything like that. I think that was incredible. If the movie was more like that, I feel like this is 
you know, a film in general that we're going to be talking about for the entire year. But I really think the performance is going to stand out. But um, other than Affleck, I do think uh, Elizabeth Moss is the best actress of the year. I think she gave just an incredible, you know, like a horrific performance, but in the same vein, just an incredible performance overall. I think um, when you look back on female performances and horror movies you've got you know lupita nyong'o you've got tony collette you've got uh florence Pugh in midsummer last year and i think honestly i think elizabeth moss's performance i don't think it quite stands up with tony collette's or lupita nyong'o's but i think it's right there with um with florence Pugh's in midsummer i thought it was incredible <laughs> what she did <laughs> But, okay, so for me, I think, obviously, I can't really say anything that you guys didn't already about Affleck. I mean, I'm going to release an article tomorrow where I release my nominees for the year. Um, five for each category, actor, actress, act, uh, director, supporting. I'll tell you what, supporting actress was the hardest thing that I ever, like, it was worse than last year's supporting actress. Oh, I, I had a cheat. And for So I thought that's what we were doing is going person by person, and I was going to cheat on my supporting actress it's a it's a hard category so far it really is like there well the one i will say that's mine is i know that uh, neither of you guys have seen is the whistlers uh, katrina morlon from the whistlers was phenomenal in that film um for me the actress of the year is betty gilpin from the hunt she was phenomenal she was in my opinion my strong opinion she was light years better than elizabeth hunt um or Elizabeth Moss, sorry, uh, they got the yeah, mix I was up there. Say, I don't know who Elizabeth Hunt Elizabeth is. Hunt, wh whoever. The, you talk about a good movie and a bad movie, and you get yourself mixed up really well. <laughs> so, um, but Gilpin is my favorite female performance of the year. I will say Haley Bennett is a close, close, close second. I really loved her performance in Swallow. I wish the Swallow was a very good film. Uh, Brendan and I talked about it off the air, but it's a good film. But I really feel like it. It lacked enough to make it a great film but her for her performance carried that film to a, a max and then obviously affleck in the way back it, it was a career defining performance for that man i love ben affleck for a long time and he's a phenomenal director and he's a really solid actor but this one just kind of put him over the top and i think it was his emotional depth within the film that really put it over the edge and you know he can relate to that character and that's kind of what i really enjoyed about his performance in that film. I love that film a whole lot. And Brandon, I'll transition to you. What is the film that you had the most fun at? It doesn't have to be the best movie you've seen this year. It could be the funniest or just the best action-packed movie. Whatever comes to mind, what was the most fun you had at the movies this year? Well, you're not going to like it. Uh, <laughs> I would still say The Invisible Man. <laughs> I think it's only because of... It could have been a disaster and it could have gone in so many ways as we've seen with um, The Mummy with Tom Cruise. It could have gone in so many directions, but it was, for me, it was suspenseful, it was thrilling, but it was also unpredictable. And then it also, you know, it had the smarts to go with it. So uh, that, for me, that was, I think that was... I think I just, that was it. Can I just say one thing? I really feel like I have to say that Good Dinosaur is a very underrated Pixar movie. I'm sorry to jump off topic, but I really can't have someone talking, just throwing Good Dinosaur under the bus. Okay. And, and I will say, and I really, really hate to agree with Ricky on probably anything, but I'm, I didn't hate Onward, but I must say that it. I was really wanting 
some kind of emotional payoff and it just came too late. And I really kind of, I'm not, I wasn't too thrilled about it. I actually feel like soul will act will be the one that uh, will be the inside out. I feel like I just wanted to get that off my chest. Hey, hold on, hold on Jacob before you go real quick. My, my problem with onward is this. I didn't feel emotionally invested into Chris Pratt's character at all. That's where I got lost. And I think somewhere in that like second to second act when they were leading up to that big emotional payoff, I feel like right there is where they lost me. I got it just completely lost any potential. Like it started off a little slow for me. I didn't really like it. They had okay chemistry together. They were funny together. But I just did not feel myself emotionally invested into Chris Pratt. And that's who they kind of rode towards the end. Even though I know I uh, Tom it was Tom Holland, right? Tom Tom Holland's character yes. was like supposed to be, you know, the send-off there to me. But for me, I just I couldn't find myself emotionally connected to Pratt, which completely blew the rest of the film for me because and I also will stand on a on a hill with you. I really like Good Dinosaur as well. So I will throw that out there as well. I do think and obviously hey, hey, hey. I never said I didn't like Good Dinosaur. I just think it's the lower down on the Pixar spectrum. Basically what you're in- saying is Brandon is 100% right. I'm really enjoying Brandon being on my side right now, so I need to get him fired up, okay? <laughs> it's been a rarity in the 15 minutes we've been podcasting, so I really need uh, Brandon here to kind of swoop in. So we don't need to talk about any other film for the rest of the night so that we can just talk about The Good Dinosaur and how great it is and how you just bash it this entire time. I'm sorry. I just I just blacked out when I heard something about Good Dinosaur. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend Jacob with Onward, but I have had a lot of people. I've read stuff, and the people I went to see with have really enjoyed Onward. So yeah, I mean, me Jacob's not the only one, but I will say that it's it, when I left, I I wanted to cry six or seven times like yeah. Jacob, but I I couldn't even get a tear. But maybe I'm heartless. I don't know. I I, I, wanted See, to, I was happy it ended. I cried happy tears of joy that it was over. That's why I cried. So See, I think for I think for me is I I connected with Chris Pratt's character early on and I think that's why I liked it as much cuz I understand not if you don't connect with Chris Pratt's character, I can understand you know not um going through the film, you know, not feeling as you know how how I felt. Um, so I can really understand that because from the beginning, you know, I kind of understood like Chris Pratt's kind of like want and how he kind of felt resent, uh, resentful about, you know, not being there when someone's dying. Cause I've been in that position. Um, so I really kind of felt for his character. So when he got that moment at the end, that's when I was like, okay, this is what I wanted, but I didn't know it's what I wanted at the time. That's why I liked Onward as much as I did. Um, Favorite film that you, most fun you had at the movies this year, Jacob. Um, so sidetracking again, before we do this, I will say what I was going to cheat when we did our, uh, if we were going to do, you know, best supporting actor, best supporting actors, I was going to put, uh, Gilpin as my best supporting actress of the year and just lump it into a bunch <laughs> of, um, uh, supporting performances instead of one lead performance. Um, <laughs> so it's funny that you put her as your number one for lead actress, um, but for me, uh, most fun, I'll say probably Sonic the Hedgehog. I think Sonic the Hedgehog, I think that's the most fun I've had in a theater this year. Um, you know, I went with some of my friends, uh, seeing Jim Carrey back acting again and acting in movies that actually like aren't awful was such a sight to see. 
Um, you know, I think Sonic, I think Ben Schwartz did incredible as Sonic. You know, I've been going back and watching Parks and Rec, and it's so funny watching him in Parks and Rec and then being like, that's Sonic. Um, I think James Marston was great. Uh, and again, I just think uh, fucking Jim Camry. Oh, my God. That was awful. Jim Carrey was just a delight. Um, I just think he was so funny. He just was bombastic and flamboyant and everything, you know, you love about Jim Carrey. Uh, so I think when you go to most fun I had seeing a movie this year, it's definitely Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, see, for me, it would either be that or it would be The Hunt. <clears throat> the, or Actually, you know, I had a lot of fun going to see bloodshot but let's be i mean i don't want to take any see mine mine (laughs) mine would be mine would be the hunt until you remember that there's scenes where they sit around talking and then you're like uh no gotta go back to sonic yeah so i really like sonic but i really did enjoy a bloodshot bloodshot was way too much fun and i know that i have a love for bloodshot that i shouldn't have but for me bloodshot was the perfect popcorn flick Okay, I like a good garbage movie that's a popcorn flick. Like, I, comparable to me, like, Brandon, did you see The Bloodshot? Uh, no, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, I had other things to do. <laughs> okay, so perfect. I, I'm good. Then I can, I'm the only one that can talk about this movie with our, you know, with intelligence oh, no. here. Okay, so Bloodshot was a lot of fun. Okay, look, it is exactly what you think it is. It's over the top, just crazy action. And it reminds you of a very cheesy, over the top, crazy, like a, you know, like a Michael Bay film per se, except without the little sparklers in the background. And look, I don't, Vin Diesel's Vin Diesel. He plays the same actor in every one of these. It, it was a white tank top and a chicks that were half naked. It, like that's the MO for all Vin Diesel movies. Vin Diesel's not a good actor. And I'm not even going to say that he's a good actor. I mean, he's probably his best role is Groot, right? I am Groot. Like, that's that's literally his best role ever. But I will say I had a lot of fun with this movie. I think maybe it was enhanced by seeing it in 40X. That enhanced the experience. But it was over the top. It was crazy. It was a lot of fun. I had fun. And it was exactly what I wanted out of it. And to be honest with you, maybe thinking that I was going into watching a half a star movie... That probably played a part in why I enjoyed it so much because I had so very little expectations for the film that I ended up loving it. But Sonic is another one that I had a lot of fun that that's one movie I was very happy it was good because for me it was a film that needed to be good. And I remember playing Sonic as a kid. I love Sonic. I love the way they did the portrayal. Shorts was fantastic. Madsen was really great as well. So those are the two films I really, really loved a whole lot. And... Brandon, any other film that maybe you want to talk about before we wind down here? Yeah, there is there is one. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I at the end when it's all said and done, I really actually enjoyed The Gentleman. It's not Guy Ritchie's best, and I'm you know by any means, but I will say if if you don't leave that movie theater loving Colin Farrell and especially Hugh Grant more than you already did, then you are one sick bastard. <laughs> I agree. So like for me, I agree with that as one hundred percent. So like I did my supporting actor, like Colin Farrell's on my list because I loved him in that film. I like Colin Farrell a whole lot. Like I do. I think that he's got he's very hit and miss at times. But he is a lot of fun in that movie. And I just love his character in it. Jacob, you saw The Gentleman, right? No, I never um, 
I chose to go see Fantasy Island instead of seeing The Gentleman. Oh, I bet you regretted that. Oh, ouch. <laughs> uh, you know, it, Fantasy Island was an experience. Um, <laughs> you always got to get those bad movies under your belt. That was my new, uh, new Year's resolution was to see more bad movies. And, you know, like I was going to say whenever uh, it was my turn to speak, you know, I've seen three movies this year that would have been my bottom three of last year. So I guess I'm living up to what I planned out to do this year. Well, I guess that's true. Jacob, okay. Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry, Jacob. That's one of the most polite answers I've ever heard <laughs> that fantasy Island was an experience. <laughs> I guess the it question was, for you I that mean, I sat, I sat down, I live tweeted the whole thing. There was no one else in the theater. So I raised all the armchairs up and I was laying down. Um, you know, I was just having a blast. Uh, just seeing one of the worst movies I've ever seen in theaters. I guess I'll give the question to you, Brandon. What's the worst film you've seen in theaters this year? That I've seen in theaters or just watched? Just, just watched in general. Just to watch in general. It could be a 2020 release um, film. Well, one that's fresh on my mind is uh, Spencer Confidential, the Netflix Mark Wahlberg movie. Oh, so bad. Uh, so bad. The Like a Boss um, is awful. Yep. And... Um, I really did not like Underwater that much. It, a lot of January ones really took, really almost took the soul right out of movie going. But <laughs> really then did. there was Bad Boys for Life, which I and The Gentleman, which are the only two movies I think in January that was its saving grace. Agreed, one hundred percent, Jacob. What's well, what's funny is you know Underwater, Like a Boss, and Fantasy Island were the three movies I was talking about. <laughs> where they would have been the bottom three, no question, of last year. Um, I think I gave each of them half a star, maybe gave Underwater one star just because it was kind of cool at some points. But, yeah, those are all just terrible. I just, I just Underwater, I think, has made me more mad than any other movie I've seen this entire year, or just at, probably in the past few years. Uh, just everything, how they did everything how they uh you know how they portrayed uh kristen stewart how she was never allowed to wear clothes the entire movie um but yeah um going back to the question uh impractical jokers movie you know it's impractical jokers it is what you uh get on the tv show i thought it was fun i thought it could have taken more risk than what it did but for being someone who loved the impractical jokers i did really enjoy it and uh miss americana you know if you haven't seen miss americana i know i'm pretty sure ricky and i've talked vaguely about it uh great documentary it's on netflix you know in your quarantine you can go watch it um birds of prey i had a lot of fun during most of birds of prey uh same as bad boys for life i had a lot of fun during most of bad boys for life um and then th this is one that i know ricky didn't like this one at all uh, but we did get to go see First Cow, was it last week or the week before? And I actually really did enjoy um, a lot too, most of it. Uh, it's very slow. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of kind of build up, but I really did enjoy it. Uh, and I think that's all the movies I saw this year. Yeah, is what I just kind of went over. Um, so for me, the worst movie underwater is hands down on that list. Um, I have really like the four I have near my, okay. So let me see I'm trying to verify. So I've given four films this year, half a star or lower. Um, the call of the wild, um, that was terrible. Um, fantasy islands, another one. 
and then Underwater is the other, and then Downhill is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, Downhill was just, I can talk about this film for hours because of how bad it was. It was terrible. It was awful. It was one of, it was just abysmal. And I, Will Ferrell has just gone a long way to become worse and worse in every film that he makes and he's terrible anymore. Julie Lee Dreyfus, she was okay in it, but the story was just, it was boring. It was dumb. It made no sense. It never came together. The ending just really made me want to punch a wall. And I hated the film a whole lot. So... Uh, coming full circle, Brandon, where can we find you on Twitter, your website, the podcast, the whole nine, brother? Uh, Twitter, at Sir Brandon V, at Sobros Movies, and I'm just the movie guy, but SobrosNetwork.com has got tons of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was awesome being on the show, guys. Thank you. Man, we thank you so much for coming on the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much again. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording and hosting. And distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. And ridiculously easy to use. And now... Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So if, all, if you've always wanted to start a podcast making money to do it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I cannot wait to hear your podcast. And for Brandon Vick for hopping on the show and talking some of the best movies of 2020 with us, make sure to head on over to SobrosNetwork.com. They have some fantastic content pushed out daily over there. Make sure to listen to Brandon Vick's podcast, Vic Flicks. And then head on over to Twitter and give him a follow at Sir Brandon V. Give myself a follow at Ricky Blair underscore. Give Jacob a follow at MCDI underscore Jacob. And then, of course, give the pod a follow at MCDI pod. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys later.